Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we're thankful for your love and mercy and grace in our lives. We're thankful for the chance to gather together as a body of believers and sing praises to your name, Lord. Lord, as we turn now in our worship to your word, I pray you would just speak clearly to us, Lord. I pray that the truth of your message would just infiltrate our hearts and our minds. And Lord, I pray you would just cause us to look differently at our lives and at the world around us because of the truth of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that through the power of the Spirit, we would be transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and I pray that we would love you with our, whole, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Father, for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I can remember when Amy and I were first dating, and she was still trying to convince me to like her. We did, that's not a joke, that's very serious, there's no laughter involved there. We started a habit that I think was kind of neat, it was a little different at the time and something that not a lot of people we knew were doing. We started writing letters to each other. Now some of that was because we were separated by distance, she was down in Auburn and I was here in LaGrange and at other times we were separated by the state, she was in Florida doing mission work, I was here in Georgia doing mission work. We started this really interesting habit of writing letters. Now, this was, of course, before the text message, young students, right? This was before email. You're like, why didn't you just text her? Well, they didn't have text messages. I didn't even own a cell phone at that time. Certainly before email, before video chats. And so we talked on the phone, but talking on the phone could be expensive. And so we would write letters to each other. And I can remember during this process kind of going to the mailbox on a regular basis and kind of hoping that there was a letter from Amy. And I'm sure she did the same thing on the other end. She was very excited for me to write her letters as well. But one of the neat things we did is we kept all those letters. And so we've got this big shoebox now filled with these letters that we've written each other. And if we're not careful, every now and then we'll get them out. And two hours later, we're still reading them. It's just fun to go back and, and relive and rethink and kind of laugh and cry occasionally at all the things we said to each other. But it's interesting because the letter now is kind of fallen out of favor, hadn't it? Nobody writes letters anymore, very few letters. It's much easier to send a text, it's much easier to send an email, to video chat, all the technology that we have now. Most people don't take the time anymore to sit down and handwrite a letter. But in centuries past, people understood the importance of writing a letter. In fact, for centuries, the only way you could communicate with somebody that was a great distance from you would be to simply write them a letter. And you would write a letter and you would mail it or give it to a person that could deliver the letter in those days. And sometimes it would be weeks or months before you would hear a response back from that person. But even though letters have kind of fallen by the wayside in recent years, there's a very important place they hold in history, and there's a very important place they hold in the Scripture. In fact, Paul uses the analogy of a letter in our lives to help us understand exactly how we ought to live for Christ in front of the world. And so I want to take just a few minutes this morning, and I want to examine the analogy that Paul uses to help us better live our lives for Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now as you're flipping to 2 Corinthians, let me just review the last few weeks. We've spent the last four weeks working through Luke chapter 10 and we studied verses 1 through 12. Luke chapter 10 is a great passage for us to study leading up to Mission LaGrange because it points to the great need of the gospel and the lostness of the people that surround us. In fact, you may remember as we studied through Luke chapter 10, Christ was very clear to explain to his followers that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Fill in the blank. Few. There's a great need, Christ says. There are, in our area, thousands upon thousands of people that don't yet know Christ. And as difficult as that may seem to us, that's an incredible opportunity. And so Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, encourages his followers to pray for the workers and then to go into the fields to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He reminds us of the risk that's going to be involved, of the fear that we must overcome, And he explains to us that we need to go and do the job of the gospel of Christ and leave the results up to him because he's the one ultimately that can save people. And so we studied through Luke 10 and we set the stage for Mission LaGrange. And I would just encourage you, as Randy has already done, if you have not already signed up to be a part of that, I want to encourage you to do that. You may not have signed up yet. You may have a work week that's kind of hectic. I want to encourage you, even if you can't do anything physically for Mission LaGrange, you can pray. And I want to encourage you to do that because there's absolute power in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you to pray specifically that the Lord would impact the loss of our community because of the efforts of the body of Christ here at Rosemont Baptist Church. So you be in prayer for that. You be involved in that. Now let's turn our attention this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to study verses 1 through 3. I think we have it on the screen for you as well. The words of Paul to the church at Corinth. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Now verse 2. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human Hearts. Now, at this point in the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is battling against false teachers. In fact, if you were to study the writings of Paul, you would see on numerous different occasions he speaks against these false teachers. What would happen oftentimes is Paul would come into an area, he would plant a church, he would leave a local body of believers and go start another church. And when Paul would leave the area, oftentimes these false teachers would come in and try to teach untruth to the people of Christ. Paul would get word of these false teachers and he would write a letter oftentimes to this church and say, beware of these false teachers. Beware of these people that are trying to lead you astray. Now this is just a side note. This really isn't the point of this sermon this morning, but I think in the context of our world today, we still need to be aware of false teachers, don't we? They may not be bold enough to walk down in the middle of the church and try to proclaim the false teachings that aren't in line with Scripture, but there are all sorts of avenues right now that are leading you astray. Television, movies, friends, internet, all sorts of opportunities you have in our society to be led astray. I want to encourage you to ground yourself in the truth of the Word of God. I want to encourage you to seek Him in all things so you won't be led astray by these 
false teachers. But Paul, in the context of 2 Corinthians 3 here, has explained that some of these people are going to show up at your church. Some of these people are going to show up in your town. They're going to be false teachers, and they're going to have these letters of recommendation with them. They're going to have these false letters of recommendation that somebody has written to make you believe that they are who they say they are. Now, Paul's going to kind of take that idea of the letter of recommendation, and he's going to give us some truths here in the first three verses of 2 Corinthians 3 that I think apply not only to the church in Corinth in the first century, but they apply to us today. So there's some truths I want to pull from this and think through this morning, and the first one is important as we begin to move through this text. If we're going to live for Christ in our day-to-day life, if we're going to live for Christ in Mission LaGrange, if we're going to be the followers that Jesus calls us to be, we need to understand truth number one. It's this. Our lives bear the message of Christ. Our lives bear the message of Christ. I'll never forget this little saying that I used to kind of keep in the forefront of my mind when I was a Sunday school teacher, and I, I try to keep it in the forefront of my mind now. But I can remember writing this down and reading this and trying to remember this as a Sunday school teacher. It went something like this. The greatest lesson you'll ever teach is your life. You can stand in front of a group of people and talk to you blue in the face. You can say all sorts of good things, but if you're not living your life for Jesus Christ, people are going to know it. If you want to make a difference in this world... You live your life for the honor and for the glory of Jesus. Paul says, here's the truth you need to understand. Our lives function as letters written to the world. People are going to be watching you. People are going to be listening to you. People are going to be paying attention to what you say and to how you act. And so with that in mind, we need to consider some questions. As we examine our hearts and we examine our lives. Do we live our lives so that Christ is honored? Do we live our lives so that people see Jesus in us? Do we live our lives so it's obvious that we've been given this gift in the Lord of faith and hope and love and salvation? Or is our letter confusing to the world? Do we say one thing and yet live an entirely different way? Paul understands the most convincing argument, the most convincing proof you can ever give to an unbeliever is a life-changing experience through Jesus Christ. And so we begin to think through this idea of the letter that the Lord has written. And Christ gives us this phrase, or Paul gives us this phrase, and he says in verse 2 that he's written this letter. And he's written this letter upon our hearts. And it's kind of interesting because we think about an actual letter, and we think, well, the letter has to be written on a piece of paper and with a pen. But what does it mean that Christ has written this letter on our hearts? Well, if you were to read through the New Testament especially, you would see that the heart has a very specific meaning. The heart is more than just the seat of emotions, The heart to the first century believer was understood as kind of the importance and the the internal being, the the portion of their lives that everything springs from. It's kind of the innermost being. It's kind of like the soul. The heart is the most important part of who we are. From the heart, everything flows. And so we see examples like Mark chapter 7, verse 21. 
from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, we we understand that the, the Spirit of God has written upon our hearts. That means that He has infiltrated our very thoughts, our very being, the innermost core of who we are, and He's written His message of hope upon our hearts and upon our lives. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be showing the world through the letter that has been written on our hearts that there is a better way. There's a different path. We're not required to walk down a path of bondage any longer. We're not required to walk down a path of darkness any longer. Because of what Christ has done, because of the message he has written on our hearts, we have hope. Now, Mission LaGrange is upcoming. You've already been hearing about it for weeks, and Randy's talked about it, and I've already talked about it. But I just want to encourage you along these lines as related to Mission LaGrange. Because many of you are going to be involved in some sort of ministry, and if you're like every other person on the planet, you have good days and you have bad days, right? And there are days when you get home from work, or maybe something's going on at home, or something has struck you the wrong way, and you're just not in the happiest of moods, right? I want to encourage you with all I have in me. If you're having one of those days during Mission LaGrange, don't take it out on the unbeliever you're trying to witness to. You need to show them love. You need to show them peace. You don't need to pull them aside while their kids are swimming and go, you're not going to believe the idiot I work with. Oh, what a jerk. Let me tell you, you need to start gossiping about the person. That's not who we need to be. You don't need to tell them how terrible life is. That's not who we need to be. See, because the moment they recognize that you're a believer or the moment they recognize you're from a church, your letter is now open to them. They're reading you. They're watching you. It's not always the way we act. Sometimes it's more important how we react. And the way you react to a bad situation at work or the way you react to a bad day at work or the way you react in front of that person is awfully important. Please, don't buy a Mission LaGrange t-shirt, put it on, and go be a jerk to somebody in LaGrange next week. Don't do that. I will buy the shirt back from you if you have intentions of doing that, okay? At no cost to you. See, Paul is very serious about this idea of being a letter. And I firmly believe one of the biggest problems we have in our society are people that claim to be believers on Sunday and then live their lives just like the world the rest of the week. Because guess what the world does? Well, if that's Christianity, I don't want any part of that. If that's what it means to be a believer, well, I'm just like those people. I'm no different. And so the way that we live our lives, the way we come across to people, the way that we love and the way that we show hope and the way that we show mercy is very important. And so here's the question we begin to ask ourselves. What drives us? Are we driven by desire to be sacrificial and to give and to love regardless of the circumstances? Or are we driven by desire to be selfish and to think about what we need? And Paul uses a kind of a neat phrase there in verse 3. He says that the Lord has written this message. He's written this letter on our hearts. 
And he said he's written it not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And it's kind of a, a reference to the Old Testament and the tablets that the Lord wrote the Old Testament, the, the, the Ten Commandments on in the Old Testament. Paul says if, if you're a believer now, no longer do you have a heart of stone. Not, no, no, no longer do you have a heart that's cold and uncaring. But instead, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Lord has replaced that heart of stone with a heart of flesh, a heart that cares, a heart that loves A heart that is compassionate. A heart that is willing to give even when you don't necessarily want to. So if you've got a heart of flesh, you you ought to have a desire to serve. You ought to have a desire to love. You ought to have a desire to sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. Why? Because the Lord has written a message on our heart. And that message is going to be read by the world. Now, that's difficult enough, isn't it? Okay, so as a believer, the Lord has given me this message of love and hope. He's he's written it on my heart as if that weren't difficult enough, right? Take a look now at what Paul says in verse 2. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts. We see that, but look at the last part of verse 2. Known and read by who? Everybody. Here's truth number 2. Our message will be seen by everyone. Now, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. The moment somebody finds out you're a believer or a follower or you attend a local church, they're going to be watching you closely. They may not say anything about it. You may never know it. But they're looking for that opportunity the first time you mess up to say, I told you so. The church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites. How many times have we had a conversation with somebody? How many times have you had a conversation with somebody? How many times have we heard of someone that says something like this? I'm not going to go to church because it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites. See, Paul says you need to be aware because when you step out on faith and you begin to show your letter or your message to the world, people are going to notice Now, Paul uses a couple of interesting words here. He says that we're going to be read and known. It's one thing to read the message. It's something else entirely to know the message. There's the sense of a deeper understanding, right? There's a sense that they're they're not only going to read and see who we are, they're going to look beyond the words. They're going to look beyond the facade. They're going to look at the core of who we are to try to determine exactly what drives us. Now, if you are a football fan, you'll appreciate this next analogy, this next illustration. But I was thinking about this idea of a message. And I was thinking about this idea of a message being seen by everyone. And I started looking back because it kind of piqued my interest a little bit at the Super Bowl this last year back in February. If you were a businessman or wanted to put some sort of an advertisement or commercial on during the Super Bowl, it would have cost you $4 million for 30 seconds. Now, if you do the math, that's $133,000 per second. $133,266, you know, just add that up in a hurry, right? Just the hundreds of thousands of dollars are ticking off. Now, here's the interesting thing about paying that kind of money. This was the highest rated Super Bowl in history. You may have already known that. But the ratings of this Super Bowl, according to the people that study it, told us that about 111 million people turned in to watch the Super Bowl In February in the United States, 111 million. Now, there are well over 300 million in our country. 
Now, we know some of those are children, and you can kind of think through those numbers a little bit. But basically, what we're saying is that about a third of the people in America watch the Super Bowl. So these advertisers paid $133,000 a second so that two-thirds of America would not see their ad. I just think that's interesting. How much would these people pay for an ad that was seen by everybody? How much would they be willing to spend if they could create a commercial and it was guaranteed that everybody would get their message? Paul just says something very interesting to me in this text. He says that our message is going to be seen by everybody. And you say, now wait a second, Adam. There's no way that my message is going to be heard by the entire world. You're right, individually, you're right. You're not going to impact the entire world alone. But together, as the body of Christ, we have an opportunity to reach the far reaches of our planet We have the opportunity to reach right across the street here in LaGrange. And you're right, you're not individually going to be able to reach the world for Christ. But you know what you can do? You can reach one other person. What if we just set a goal as believers? Lord, I know I can't reach everybody, but here's my goal this next year. I'm going to reach one person for Christ. You know, statistically, it still takes about 50 Southern Baptist people churchgoers to reach one people one person for Christ in a year 50 so in a room this size about six people for Christ in a year something's wrong with those numbers right something's wrong when it takes 50 of us to reach one person for Christ in a year Paul says you've got an opportunity with your message for your message to be heard and for others to be transformed, and for the hope and the love of Christ to go out into the world. Because the Lord has said to us, you've got a different path. You've got a different direction. I've called you to something different. I've called you to live for me, for the sake of the gospel, to bring me honor and glory, so that those who have not yet heard will hear. And so we need to take very seriously our role in how we live. Now let's continue through this as we wind this down this morning. Paul's already said that our hearts and our lives bear the message of Christ. He's already explained to us that that message will be seen by everyone. Now look at verse 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ. The result of our ministry written not with ink but with the Spirit of Of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Here's the third truth, and maybe the most compelling. Our message is written on our hearts by the Spirit of the Lord. God has hand-signed your heart with his message. He's written on your heart the idea of love, and the idea of hope, and the idea of joy. Now, if you were to spend some time reading back through the Scripture, it's interesting to kind of study the Spirit of the Lord. Because the Spirit of the Lord is present at all times, even from the very beginning. So if you were to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, you would see the Scriptures tell us that while the earth was formless and empty, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Before God created light or plants or animals or man, His Spirit was present. 
In Matthew, the Bible tells us that after Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, he was led into the wilderness, not by earthly means, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Luke's Gospel tells us that as Christ did these miracles and caused the lame to walk and the blind to see, he did all these things through the Spirit of the Lord. Now here's the connection point we need to make this morning. The very Spirit that was present at creation... The very spirit that called Christ into the wilderness. The very spirit that allowed people to be healed in the midst of Christ's ministry. That same spirit has written on your heart. He signed his name upon your life. He says, I've loved you enough to send Christ to die on the cross for your sins. I've loved you enough to give you an alternative I've loved you enough to show you exactly the path you ought to walk. You know, signature is is a very important thing. In fact, in our world, without a signature, you can't really do anything important, can you? You can't cash a check without a signature. You can't make a credit card purchase without a signature. You can't buy a house without a signature. You can't buy a car without a signature. Documents become official when you sign them. Contracts are binding once your signature is placed on the dotted line. On and on the list goes of the importance of the signature, but here's the importance of the signature of Christ in our lives. He has set us apart and called us to be different with that very simple signature. I love you enough, he says, that I'm calling you to do something different. I'm placing this signature on your hearts through the power of the Spirit, so you can be a letter and a message to a lost and dying world. Now here's where I want to kind of wind up this morning. If the Spirit of the Lord, the creator of the universe, the same Spirit that called Christ and led Christ and did all these miraculous things all through history, that same Spirit signed your name, if He loves you enough to do that, don't you think He's got a plan for your life? Do you really believe that the Lord would do all those things and then just leave you and hope you end up in the right place? Or is it more truth to say that Jesus Christ loves you enough to call you to something different? To call you to a different life? To step out of your comfort zone and walk down the path of obedience regardless of what it may cost you? So here's a couple things I want to leave you with. I want to challenge you with this this week. As you're doing Mission LaGrange, as you're at work, as you're being missional, are people going to recognize who Christ is because of your life? Is your letter and the message of who you are going to speak truth about the gospel? Or is it going to be false? Do you reveal the love of the creator and the joy of the creator and the signature of the creator by your actions? Are you going to come in contact with people and when you do, love them and give them hope and give them peace in the name of Jesus Christ? I want to challenge you and encourage you to go this week to be missional, to love and to share and to give. And I want to encourage you to allow the message that Christ has written on your life to shine as a light in the midst of darkness so the Lord can be honored in all we do. 
That should be our prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for this passage of Scripture, for the clarity of this passage, Lord, for, for the, the, the just very interesting analogy you give us, Lord, of the letter and the message of our life. Father, help us to kind of come to grips with the fact, Lord, that we are letters and, and we are a message to the world about you. Help us, Father, to, to live for you. Help us to serve you. Help us to love you. Help us to portray the correct message of Christ to all those that haven't heard. And I pray, Father, that as we do that, lives would be changed. People would be challenged. You would be honored. You would receive glory. I pray you do a mighty work in our hearts and our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the opportunity for the next couple of minutes. If you want to pray, you certainly can come to the altar. It's always open. You can pray right where you are. You can repent of your sins and accept Christ. You can join the church, but this is your time to respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.